Thank you for tuning in to the Carter Effect Podcast, where we will discuss faith, family, football, and life. My name is Nathan Carter, and I have the privilege and honor to speak to you today. So please feel free to sit back and relax as we dive into today's episode. God bless. What's going on, y'all? It is Nate Carter once again back in the studio with the Car Effect Podcast. I got three amazing, wonderful men with me. First off, we're going to introduce the Caleb Coley. <laughs> well, we're know, speechless. He just he just introduced me. Um, my name is Caleb Coley from Warner Robins, Georgia, mm, and I play defensive. Ba- no, no, I'm not from Atlanta. <laughs> I'm from Warner Robins, Georgia. <laughs> yeah, I play defensive back here, and you know, I'm just chasing Jesus. Come on, Amen. Mm-hmm. Y'all obviously heard Caleb on multiple podcasts. He's my dog. I got another dog on a podcast, Mr. Jonathan Kim. Hey, my name is Jonathan Kim. I'm from Fredericksburg, Virginia, and I'm the kicker here. Yes, sir. The kicker and, where? Ooh, what school Michigan is this? State. Oh, okay. University. Okay. SD4L? Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> Smart dog for life, man. And last but not least, man, we got the man, the guy who is my mentor, my discipler. He uh, does athletes in action here for uh, Michigan State, and he has just been a servant of the Lord for so long. He has done so much to help me in my life and my walk with Christ since I've been here and for the lives of everyone in this room. Welcome. Hold your applause <laughs> for Phil Gillespie, y'all. Philly G! Well, since you guys are my close friends, you can just call me Philly or Philly G. Nice. Because most people don't know who the heck is Phil Gillespie. <laughs> oh, you're talking about Philly G. It's a, it's a privilege to be here with you, Nathan. Oh, no doubt. And no these doubt. fine gentlemen. Thank yeah, you. Look at these guys, man. So Thank handsome. You. you look good. You guys all look good. All these compliments. I love it. If this was just a Zoom call, man, people would be would be loving this. <laughs> I think we're all done with Zoom. <laughs> Zoom, yeah. Zoom, Zoom life is not. Zoom is a four-letter word. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, man, we're gonna get right into it, man. Um, as you guys know, this this is a faith-based podcast, and. Um, God has given me the, the tremendous opportunity to utilize my platform to be talk about um, faith-based topics. And um, as I'm looking back and I'm looking at my episodes, I'm like, man, like, there is one topic that I haven't discussed discreetly on this podcast yet, right? It's something that we all live for, something that we are truly passionate about. It's why we do what we do. And that's simply the gospel, right? The good news of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to get into what the good news is, what the gospel is, what does it mean for us um, as humans, as athletes, um, and just how the gospel has changed our life, man. And we're going to have a great time, and we're going to tackle some tough questions and things that I'm sure a lot of you guys are thinking about, those who may just maybe your first time um, hopping on a podcast and you may not know who is just Jesus character what is the gospel what does that mean to me what does that do for me like what good do I get out of that um so hopefully we can tackle those questions for you guys it's gonna be a great podcast and you know I'm really excited to do it um, with these guys in this room man so so yeah like what 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 I mean we're all believers in, in, in Jesus but 
you know, for people who don't know who Jesus Christ is, for people who don't know what the gospel is, like what what can what what is that? What what's the point of the gospel? Shall we do rock paper scissors? Got it. <laughs> I'll start us off. Um, for one, I think in our culture, there's some terms that uh, Christ followers use that are really loaded terms. Um, and sometimes we assume that people understand what they are and what they mean, and they really don't. So take, for instance, uh, gospel. If I say gospel to you, you probably think of one of two things, something that you would hear in church or a genre of music like gospel music. Uh, back in Jesus's day, in, that, uh, in the time of the Roman Empire and where um, Hellenism, Greek culture, you know, really yeah. pervaded, uh, the, word, the term gospel had a different currency to it than it does today. Uh, gospel back then uh, wasn't just a, wasn't associated necessarily with religious things. Um, what it meant was it meant great news that was life shaping or life changing, and it was history making news, and it changed your status forever. And so, for instance, archaeology is 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 discovered a gospel of Caesar Augustus. Something was written about him uh, because when Caesar Augustus became emperor. You ain't kidding. It was life-changing news that affected you. So the term gospel really means great news. And so when uh, the author, uh, ultimately God, uh, through the human authors, chose to pick a term that described the person and work of Jesus Christ that would change our lives and has changed all four of our lives, they used the term gospel. Wow. So that's where I'd like to start. It's not just, wow, this is kind of cool. It's amazing news. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that, especially in our culture, like we use big terms like the gospel, like sin, like all these things, and we just throw them out there. You know, it's like people on the outside world is like, I don't really know what that means. You know, like you're throwing out, especially like the sin word, right? That's a, such a big word, and people uh, take that word as an offensive way. You know, then you look at like the cultural context of what it means. You know, it just simply means like missing the mark. You know, I, I believe that back in the old days, they used it as like an archery term, and they have the big red circle in the middle and then when you miss that mark you didn't hit that red circle they called that a sin right um but in the way that we kind of view it and the way that i believe some christians often portray that it's a much more um much more a uh, negative thing and not that sin is not negative but it's not portrayed in a way that um it, it literally is termed in the meaning if that makes sense mm. you know so yes. it's going back to like the like how how can we as as fathers Jesus like use these terms like the gospel um, in a way that's clearing to somebody else where it's not just we're throwing out a word because we expect them to know what it means but we can say these phrases and say these statements that it can actually impact their lives the way that it was supposed to that's the way that's defined you know so so yeah but like what so what what what's this gospel about like what what's the if you can if you can tell me from the beginning to the end a short description a short summary of what this gospel is and why it is such great news that is so life-changing what would you be able to tell me for that yeah that's a great question um i think a lot of people in uh, western culture have uh framed the gospel in well you've made a lot of mistakes and you suck but there is hope in jesus <laughs> and i think that approach uh, many times can alienate people uh, the gospel and really the whole grand narrative of the Bible is one amazing, epic story of total redemption. Um, in the beginning, when there was unbroken 
fellowship with God between the first man and woman, uh, all of our core needs were met. That hunger in our lives where we uh, we try to find ultimate joy, purpose, satisfaction, and sports and sexual pleasure and and uh, money, whatever, and status, those were met by God. Uh, but as you mentioned, uh, Nate, sin, this idea of sin came into the world. And it's more than just doing things wrong. It's an attitude of like, I am the boss of my life. I'm a better leader of my life than, than God would be. And when the first man and woman committed that, um, immediately fellowship or relationship with God was broken because they weren't perfect anymore. And perfection, literally, imperfection would burn up in the presence of perfection. And so there was a, a separation there. Um, when it comes to sin, yeah, that seems like a negative term, right? But what if I were to tell you that you had a doctor and you came in and you got a, a scan or an MRI and you like, we'll use you, Caleb, because you're such a fine looking dude. You look great on the outside. There you are. Thank you so much. Ladies beware. No, uh, no, no, fine looking guy, but you go through, <laughs> you go through the <laughs> scan and this doctor comes up and tells you, Caleb, we need to talk. You look great on the outside, but what you don't see is that you're filled with stage four pancreatic cancer. And you can either choose to believe him or, or not believe him. Say, well, I don't believe you. you know, I'm going to go get a second opinion. Think of it spiritually. God cares enough about us and loves us enough as a good doctor would to tell us what's really going on inside. If the doctor doesn't tell you what's really there, he's not loving you at all. But God cares enough to tell us about our mistakes or like a good coach would, right? Um, and the good news of the gospel is this. There is an answer for what is totally fatal. Sin is fatal for eternal life, but there's an answer, and it's in the person of Jesus Christ. The fact that he would actually, and we'll just do a, you know, a game summary right here, uh, that he would actually take all of my sin, all of my wrongs upon him, and he would actually give me in exchange his perfect record, the life that we should have lived, and he takes the sin that we should be judged for. And instead of trusting in my own self-salvation project of, well, if I live a good enough life to be pleasing to God, if I trust in what he has done for me and truly put my faith in him, as opposed to my own deeds, that I could actually have that forgiveness and a promised future of complete restoration. That's, that's why the gospel is good news. Right? Isn't that awesome? Facts. Facts. So I hear you saying facts. Yeah, because today at church when he was talking, and then he started talking about like how um, in the end when we get to like, to when we see God and like we're judged for all of the sin that we committed, and he was talking about that, I was like, dang, like I've committed a lot of sins. And I'm definitely not worthy. But then when he said, when you accept Jesus, like you're plucked away from that, it was like a breath of fresh air and it felt so good. And then just hearing you talk about it, it's just it's legit. It's dope. Yeah. So I have a question though, right? Because I hear a lot of Christians say, they talk about like these 10 commandments and talk about you got to follow these rules and stuff like that. So um, I can say that I'm, I feel like I'm a good person, right? I feel like that 
Um, I, I don't lie. I don't don't steal. Right. I don't cheat. I don't do any of those things. So like, I should be good enough, right, to to earn this this good news, right, to earn this grace that that you're you're talking about. Because I'm a, I don't go to person. I follow whatever these commandments are that these Christians talk about. So what what's the point of me having to kind of like follow this this Jesus figure if I'm already doing these good things that he was doing, you know? Because you're not good. The Bible says nobody's good but God. So that's the first thing that pops into my mind. And then, Jonathan, you look like you want to take it away so you can finish that sentence for me. Thank you. Um, I was just thinking, like, you know, people will say, oh, I don't steal, I don't cheat, I don't do all these things, but you're not perfect. You know, the only reason we have access to heaven is because of the gospel, because Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, because he lived the perfect life. And it doesn't matter how good you think you are, you will never meet that standard that God is looking for because we just physically cannot be perfect. Um, And it makes me think of the story um, when there was two men, and you can probably correct me because I don't think I have it all the way, but these two men were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and it starts to fall, and a man tries to goes to catch it before it hits the dirt because he thinks, oh, the, the dirt is dirty. We don't want to get it dirty. And he goes to catch it, and he, he touches it, and he dies because you can't touch it unless you're – because that's, that's the presence of God, you know. And, and to me, it's like what makes you think you're cleaner than dirt? Dirt doesn't sin, but no matter who you are, unless you're Jesus Christ, you're dirtier than dirt. Yeah, you guys bring up a, a great point because to Nate's question, uh, the the subtle assumption in his question is that – my comparison is based on um, the schmuck on my team who is a moral reprobate. Remember back in uh, recess, back in the old days, you know, sixth grade, and you'd have teams, team captains, and they would pick their teammates, you know, and you'd like, you know, inflate your chest, you know, flex your muscles, because you wanted to be picked, right? And you look to the guy next to you, you're certainly not gonna pick him. I'm, I'm, I'm a much better athlete, right? That's how we view it morally. But the standard is actually God himself. And so, I mean, imagine, you guys, you know, we play in Spartan Stadium, right? Imagine every thought that you have ever thought, every action, every word displayed on the Jumbotron to see. So when Caleb was referencing early about all of my stuff, all of my crap being written down, right? That's, that's crazy. Right. And, and the, the word today that would apply to that, you'd be canceled. Facts. Yeah. In fact, you know, as Spartans, right, we take a lot of uh, a lot of pride in you know, Sparta, you know, the movie 300 and 300 Spartans. Sparta was the OG cancel culture. If you remember the movie at the very beginning, if you were a baby and you were born and you weren't born to the standards of Sparta, if you had defects, what would they do? They'd hold you up by your leg over the cliff and they'd let you die and they'd throw you off. What if God held every one of us up and examined us? Do we meet his standards? Do we make the cut? All of us would be canceled. This is why the gospel is good news. Hopeless people can actually have hope. That's good. That's really good. So let's see if you guys guys answer me this question, right? Because we have, there's so many other religions other than Christianity. And it's it's easy for us to say, um, well, Christianity is the only way, right? Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and life. No one can come to the Father except through me. But 
do we is that really true right because you have muslims you have um islam you have all these different types of faith that's saying that this is the way and this is the way and this is the way like how could you truly know that jesus is the way how could you truly know that the gospel is the only way to the heaven that i believe we all want to get to one day the biggest thing for me is like you just look at the uh the disciples and like you or i guess the the apostles the people who died clinging on to the story of jesus christ being resurrected you know who is willing to be i mean because i think it was paul was crucified and then flipped upside down right yeah, peter like peter like who who's willing to go through something like that for a lie just to like it just doesn't make sense to me why somebody would be brutally mu murdered or killed just for a lie, a made-up story. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Got anything on that, Caleb? Um, the only example I have is, like, without using the Bible, I'll use my life. Like, by me, I've seen how Jesus has been evident in my life and how he's moved things around for my good and just allowed me to experience some things to shape me and grow me and develop me. And the reason that I didn't use the Bible is because sometimes people ask you to, like, prove something without using the Bible. So my proof is in my life. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I, I think I think a lot of this discussion, too, is rooted in the, uh, the pop cultural belief that if I believe something, it makes it true. Uh, and there's this idea of subjective truth. Well, what's true for me is true for me. What's true for you is true for you. Um, and we're not going to get into the the. the the problems of that, uh, that itself is self-refuting, right? You have to claim an absolute truth to make the statement that there is no absolute truth. But I can believe that the world is flat. And I'm sure there's some podcasts where some guys are on it <laughs> espousing those views. I can believe that the world is flat, but that does not make it flat. I can believe with sincerity that football is my God. Football will save me. Football will provide what my soul longs and craves for, and it will save me from the grave, but it won't. So I don't, I do, something's not true because I believe it. I believe it because it's true. And when you look at the person of Jesus Christ and his, the historicity of the documents that record his life, uh, the Bible, um, and you look at the reasons, the illogical and rational reasons uh, of why the Bible is actually accurate recorded history and that they originally recorded it well and it's been preserved, that the fish hasn't grown, you know, the, the Bible hasn't been changed, uh, that we see that what Jonathan was alluding to, that Jesus gives you three options. Uh, he's either a, a liar, right? That he, he knew he wasn't God, but he told everybody he was. And he fooled everybody to put their eternal destiny in him. So he's, he's either a liar or maybe he believed he was God, but he wasn't. So he's a lunatic. He's, he's out to lunch. Neither would be congruent with his life nor his uh, followers uh, of him. The other option is he's Lord. And as Jonathan mentioned, the resurrection is historical proof that his, his claims were actually ratified he's god in human flesh but there's a there's a lot we could say about your question Nate. yeah yeah no about i definitely want to touch on that resurrection part of it right because 
I believe earlier we touched on the fact of why Jesus had to die for our sins. Um, but the point of why is the resurrection part so important? Right? Why why can't okay Jesus die for our sins and it stops there? Why is Jesus rising from the dead such an important part of the gospel as well? I'm trying to think because I feel like it's because for him to die and then raise again, that's him defeating death. And I feel like that's been talked a lot about a lot in church. But could you explain that to me further? Because I'm curious. Yeah, the importance of the resurrection. Well, for one, it verified all that Jesus said was true. If, uh, if Jesus makes great claims and stays in the grave, well, he's just a sham. He's just a human, right? So his, 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 resurrection, uh, his resurrection proves that. But, uh, but more than that, the resurrection, uh, the Bible call, calls it like a, the, the first fruits. The first fruits was a concept in the Bible where not only was it the best and the first, but it was literally like a down payment. The fact that Jesus conquered death and he rose again guarantees that you and I who've placed our trust in Christ will rise again. And not just that, to live a new life now. So the resurrection is not just hope for the future. Ooh, like one day it's going to be great. It's hope from the future mm-hmm. back to us that I can live a, a totally new life that describes what people's souls are truly longing for. That's really good. That's really, really good. How does, how does, because I feel like that that's one of the biggest misconceptions that a lot of people get wrong about the gospel. Like we talk a lot about the death and not about the resurrection. What are some other misconceptions that you guys may have heard or may even personally have experienced um, about the gospel that so many people often believe that's just not correct. It makes it gospel so much more troubling and so much more uh, than, you know, than easy and light. I would say people just living however they want and just thinking, oh, I can do this because because God di- or Jesus died for us. You know, just taking advantage of the sacrifice that God made for us and just saying, oh, it's okay for me to do this. I know it's a sin. I know it's against what I'm supposed to be doing. But since Jesus already died for me, already paid the price, like I can just go ahead and do it. Mm. And then I got people on the opposite end of the spectrum who feel like they have to clean themselves up before they come to Christ because they don't feel like they're worthy or good enough to like even try. Yeah. 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 I think, Jonathan, you really hit on a good point. And I think people think Jesus is the salvation fairy, that he's obligated to forgive everybody because that's what he does. That's his job. He's, he's the forgiveness God. Um, true faith in him is not just intellectually believing that the facts, the historical facts that Jesus Christ existed, led a sinless life, God in human flesh died for my sin. It's easy for us to say, well, sweet, great. Right. Um, Michigan is a, a state of two peninsulas and the big Mac bridge connects the two just because there's a bridge between the two peninsulas doesn't mean us here in the lower peninsula are in the upper peninsula. Yes, there's a bridge, but how do I access that? And mm. I think in our culture, we've, we, we think faith and trust is just um, intellectually agreeing. That, oh, yeah, I believe that. But imagine if I was a tightrope um, expert and I strung a tightrope across Niagara Falls, right? And Philly goes out, goes across, and 
Everybody's like, ooh, and starts drawing a crowd. And I go back and forth, and I do handstands. I eat my lunch out there. <laughs> I get a bike, right? I get that bike you just drove up to Holden Hall with, Caleb, and I go across it. And, and people really like, you will not fall. And I grab this wheelbarrow, and I ask, which of you guys believe I can take this wheelbarrow across? And without a doubt, everybody would raise their hand. And then I say, who's going to get in the barrel? And nobody raises their hand. See, that's what biblical faith is. It's really trusting with your life into somebody. See, I can intellectually believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that he can save me. But have I truly embraced that? And have I truly, truly depended on that? How would you know that you have done that? Like, is it, is it like you have to, okay, so in order for me to truly believe I'm a follower of Jesus, I got to read X amount of scriptures a day. I got to read X amount. I got to pray for seven hours a day, seven hours a week. I got to go to church every single Sunday, right? Does that classify me as, okay, I really truly believe this faith? Like, is it more, is Jesus looking for a more performance-based mindset for me? It's like, okay, I want you to do all the things that I need you to do, follow these commandments. I need you to pray. I need you to talk to me. I need you to read the Bible. I need you to perform, perform, perform so that now you can receive my love and my grace and forgiveness. Is that what I have to do? Well, you can try that, but would you ever be able to do that? Mm. And even if you could do an amazing amount of good things, at the end of the day, you're a, you're a sinner who's just trying to do good things. Um, God is not a God has an incredible standard, but he's not a God that keeps raising the bar higher and say, jump, jump, reach, reach, reach. And this is where the beautiful concept of grace comes in. Because if it's up to me to build that bridge, so to speak, to God, I never can make it. How could imperfection become perfect? And grace is getting something that you don't deserve. Because if I could build my bridge to heaven, then salvation would not be a free gift of grace from God to me. It would be a paycheck that I've earned. And boy, could you imagine heaven, the bragging and the boasting that would go on of us looking at our resumes and how we earned salvation. But the Bible clearly says in the book of Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine, it says, for by grace, God's undeserved kindness, that you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one can boast. Again, I, I can't go across that tightrope. I'm, I, I can't do it. I have to totally rely on Jesus. It's Jesus plus nothing, not Jesus plus my stellar religious resume. That was a really good point you made. I love how you, what you said at the end, Jesus plus nothing. Because I feel like a lot of times we try to add more to that, right? Like Jesus himself is not enough. And even as athletes, right, we live in a performance, we, 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 we live and we play in performance-based sport, football, right? If you do not perform on the field, you're not going to play. If you don't perform on the field, you're not going to win. So, and I know you've worked with countless athletes in your years of experience working with athletes in action, so you can definitely test this as long as we can. So how does the gospel help athletes specifically to kind of like get away from this performance-based mindset and like, go towards more of the upside down kingdom of God? Like how can we, uh, as followers of Jesus who are also athletes, how can we cling on to the kingdom of God and not cling on to this performance-based mindset that the world gives and that we are getting perceived on by coaches and fans and 
Twitter fingers and things like that. Hmm. Yeah, and like we mentioned earlier that uh, originally when we were created, we were created to have our needs met in the glory and the unconditional love and acceptance and purpose that we crave was that hole or that appetite was put there by God. So I don't fault anybody for wanting to fill up their life to find true acceptance and meaning and purpose. But when you take a created thing or just a gift and you make it the giver or the ultimate thing, then you're asking of that thing to give you what it never could. And so with college athletes, and I love working with college athletes, it's a time of life, it's a fork in the road, right? You can catch somebody before they make lifelong habits. And when you, and, and when you do that, you're, you're, you're wanting to teach them not only to invest their life, but to, to save them the heartache from worshiping something that's not worthy of their life's worship. For instance, football is awesome. And a Saturday in Spartan Stadium is uh, <laughs> it's, uh, intoxicating in a lot of ways. But if that is your God, if that is what you are looking to for significance and purpose, hope and meaning, you're asking it to be your savior. One day it will break up with you. You'll give it everything and then it will come to you and say, you know, Caleb, I found somebody younger, faster. I'm done with you. And you won't like that if that is your God because that is the death of your God. That is the death of your whole life's justification. What will you do when you're staring at the coffin and your God is lying inside? Now all of a sudden, if I have that performance mindset, football is not just football. Football is my way to get my parents and coaches approval. It's a way for future provision. It's a way for me to be validate my existence. Do you see how that's crossed over now? I can't play it for joy and fun. I must have it. That sets somebody up for a roller coaster ride of performance because most of life you can't control. What happens if a big lineman sits on your leg and breaks it? Snap. <laughs> right. <laughs> And that's not the only thing that snaps. Your your whole life's dream snap. Yeah, and then for me right now, like I'm I'm hurt. I've been hurt for a while, and originally it was like real frustrating. It was difficult, but God has really been walking me through, and not allowing football to be your God helps you because like football, like I haven't played, so like that's like time away from my God. Like you know what I'm saying that football is my God, but my God is um Jesus Christ, Alpha and Omega. So. The reason that I'm here is to spread the gospel and my physical body has nothing to do with me being able to spread the gospel. So although I'm hurt and sidelined right now, I still have a mouth and I still have a voice. So I'm able to use it to spread the gospel. And then also I feel like just this injury just gives me another viewpoint and like allows me to speak to other athletes who have been through these things because I know that um, God didn't bring me here to leave me or forsake me. So I really have to rely on his scripture and just know that his plan is the best plan. And it's just real comforting to know that my God is not football, but my mm. God is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Mm. As you would say, facts. Facts. I stole that from Malik. <laughs> As Malik would say, facts. facts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say for me and just my development in my sport, it, I mean, as a kicker, it's it's a yes or a no. You make it or you don't. Um, and, you know, it's the same way of, of making it into heaven. Either you make it or you don't. Um, and so I was always so stressed and worried on whether or not I was going to make the kick or if I was going to miss the kick. And 
being able to realize that this sport and this gift that I have was all given to me through God. And, and when I was trying to use it for my own selfish ambition, I was at the lowest in my life, whereas now I'm not using it for myself. I'm using it for the kingdom and the glory of God. And it's just so much more freeing and it's just so much more enjoyable mm -hmm. to be out there knowing that I'm doing this for God and, and just that he is the one who blessed me to be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you telling the story of your, your first big kick, uh, for North Carolina against our tribal Duke and the 52 yard kick, right? Yeah. It was, it became more than a kick. It became, I have to make this to get what I really want right. deep in my life. Mm -hmm. And what was the result? I missed. Yeah, you missed bad. Yeah. <laughs> Shanked into the that was right field, not left field. Yeah, yeah I almost put it in the tunnel. Field. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, no, going out there, it was it was I got out there, I was like, finally I I did it. I'm finally where I want to be. Everything's lined up exactly how I had planned it. Um and then, you know, you miss and then immediately get benched again. Mm. And it's like, Well, there goes everything. You know, that was football was my God. And at that moment, I thought, it's gone. I lost it. I, there's no chance. I'm just going to keep doing kickoffs, and I'm not going to – this plan and goal that I had set up for myself is, is never going to come true. Mm. Um, and then just here now, like, I mean, the exact same kick week two, 52 yards, right hash, and, and pregame warm-ups, it was – you know, I wasn't hitting the ball very well. Um, I told Coach I'm good from, from – 45 going that way and you know i go into the locker room and i'm like god why am i not why can't i kick right now like why can't i do it like I, I can definitely like i know you gifted me with the ability to make a field goal further than 45 yards why can't i kick right now you know i just felt like god was absent but then you know i realized like god is with us even through the shadow of the valley of death why wouldn't he be with me on this football field right now so at that moment i just had to remind myself over and over and over again that God is always with me. He will never forsake me. He will never never leave me. He will leave the 99 to come find me alone. Um, and so in that moment, a, a switch flipped, you know, and um, I was able to go out and, and do, do something that only I could have done through the power of Christ. You know, 52 yards into the wind doesn't, doesn't happen very often. Um, and so just, just knowing that it was all God and, and being able to give praise and glory back to him was an incredible feeling hmm. oh, that's awesome yeah that's good that's all good um so so this this all this gospel talk sounds good right it sounds good it's i love great. hearing it's great sounds great. great phenomenal so so it's like great thing. I, what what do i get out of this right let's say okay i'm i'm starting to believe i want to give i want to go all in for this for for jesus of going for the gospel for the good news what do i get out of this does it mean that that my life from here on now because i'm a follower of jesus is going to be easier no that is going to be a ooh guys, that's, <laughs> 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 well speak to me on that why 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 so i mean you got me i'm this creator of the world right like this is the one that died um for my sins i resurrected from the dead right now he's in heaven and if I believe in him, I should have a much simpler life now. No. I mean, is, is, am I wrong? Okay, so um, well, when when you start to follow Christ, you're going against the grain. So I, I can't swim, but if I could swim, me trying to <laughs> me trying to swim like against the current, that's difficult. So like the world, you know, is flowing with the current, flowing in sin, you know, just doing that. That's that's pretty easy. But then you're going against the grain. But something 
that is like reassuring about following Christ is uh may I see your phone right quick. Do you have TikTok? Because <laughs> I posted I posted this thing and I gotta find the verse. It was on there. But it was like the eye is the lamp of the body and how you see how do how you see um how you see things changes like when you accept Christ your view of the world changes. So that that's beneficial because your mindset is everything and a strong mind will will keep you. I'm finna find it right quick. Can somebody take over? Um, yeah, yeah. What I would say is you're not only going against the world, you're going against yourself. You have to resist your own flesh. You know, mm-hmm. like there's things you don't realize you shouldn't be doing before you like come to Christ and, and realize how you're supposed to be living. And of course you're going to stumble and, and, and there's a good chance you fall back into that sin, but you you look at it entirely differently you know like before you're like okay yeah it's fine like i can do this and 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 there's no regret there's no there's nothing behind it you can just do it and then you know you're once you get baptized or even though that that is literally just like a you telling everybody around you that you're a believer and and giving your life to christ but once you do that the the sin that you used to be able to do mindlessly now bears a weight on you you know you're like oh my goodness i shouldn't be doing this you know and 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 it just changes your outlook on everything that you're doing in your life yeah you bring up an important point jonathan um and like the subtle assumption in your question nate is is that well i should receive christ it's all good now right i'm perfect well yeah I, my position with christ when he looks at me right when the god the father looks at me he sees the spotless life of Christ, the payment of Christ. I'm, it's like I'm holy, like he is in his sight. In real time, it's, it's, a, it's another thing. When Jesus died on the cross and was risen again, and when I, when I accepted him by faith alone, the power of sin and the rule of sin in my life was broken. I'm not a slave to it anymore. But it doesn't mean my sin nature, or as Jonathan described, the flesh is eradicated. So now what used to be kind of natural and fun to do what was wrong, now there's a battle because God has created kind of like a new man inside of me. But the old man is still there like a little rebel wanting me to follow it and fall into temptation. I don't have to give into it. I'm not, I'm not in the prison cell anymore of sin. The door is open. But sometimes we don't like to walk out of it and we bow down and put on the shackles that, of sin that once were on us. And so, yeah, the Christian life can be harder at times because now there's that inside battle. Did you find your TikTok there, Caleb? I did. Um, so verse Matthew 6, 22 is the verse that I was referring to. Um, this is ESV. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Um, I feel like when you accept Christ, you get a healthy eye. And the way you look at things, like I said before, it just changes. And it can allow you to see God in things because God is all around us. He created the world for him so yeah um nate good so a gospel center life does not but it gives you the power to be able to live you know and i and in, in theology we, we say the already but not yet kingdom when when jesus came to earth to inaugurate his kingdom the the, the rule of life and following him and him as our gracious god and king when he when he resurrected he established that, but it's not here in its fullness yet. He hasn't returned where he will do away with sin and death and, and all of that stuff that we struggle with. 
And so I think sometimes we expect this life now to be like the future kingdom that is promised. But what I love is the fact that he gives us the power to be able to live above it because what what the team what our teammates right really don't need is these perfect examples of people who never do anything wrong and who live these lives that aren't like theirs where they feel like I never could be like that. What I love is when yes and we will make mistakes but we live in the forgiveness of God and our identity our identity is rooted in him and not in my performance. And the fact that we can speak to real life situations like that and show how the power of God allows us to live in grace is is so relevant. Amen. Amen. So uh, as we close, um, this has been an amazing, great conversation. And you guys have all gained great insight and detail on things that matter and things that really hold dear and true to our heart. For those who are listening to this, who are looking back and like, man, like I want to be a part of this. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to accept this good news. I want to, to live and walk in the hope that, in the love and the joy that these guys have that's never ending. What are the next steps to them? Is it that we have to say a special prayer? Is it that we have to go to a church and have someone pray over us? Or how do I become a follower of Jesus now? If I'm sitting here in my car in my living room or with my friends, what can I do right now to become a follower of Jesus? Hmm. Yeah, the gospel is uh, so profound and deep and yet it's so simple, but it really goes against our human nature. Uh, We want to say that we did it and we accomplished it, that uh, we know better than God. But the gospel uh, by definition is, I have to humbly come before God and realize I can't do it. In fact, and not just for repenting of things that I've done wrong, but honestly, for even the reasons why I ever did anything right. I think many times that we try to put God in our debt, that if I do enough good things, if I'm a moral enough person, God owes me something. He owes me eternal life. But in that scenario, I become the self-salvation project. I'm my own savior. I'm God. To the person who's sitting out there, you have to understand that God loves you incredibly. You were designed for a relationship with him. That's why you crave what you crave and that what only he can give you. But you have to realize that the bad news first is that you are filled, you and I are filled with the disease of sin. And because of that, we are eternally separated from God. We're, it's not just, yeah, I've made mistakes, but you have to understand it's my sin that has separated me from God. But then looking at what Jesus has done on our behalf, where it's not me trying to work my way to God, but understanding that he came because I couldn't work my way to God. And to realize that he alone, his finished work, his perfect life, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, pays for my sin and literally gives me the righteous credentials of holiness and perfection that are needed to be in a relationship with God. But realizing, like we talked about earlier, that I come to him by saving faith where I genuinely trust in what he's done. I'm not just saying it. I genuinely trust. And real trust, it's a two-sided coin. There's this element of repentance where 
I, I, I can't hold on to my old life of sin and want to be the leader of my life. And like, yeah, salvation sounds cool. I, yeah, I think heaven, I want heaven. And you try to reach over to that and, and, and pull that into your, uh, into your being. It's, it's, I, I turn from my sin and I turn to him. That's what real faith is. I, I can't, I'm not truly believing in what he's done on my behalf if I'm not turning to him. And so it's not an earning salvation, but genuine faith is like, I lay down, I surrender. I lay down my attempts to try to, to earn your salvation. And I'm trusting in you alone. And at that moment by faith, we are forgiven. Sure. You could express it in a prayer, but a prayer doesn't save you. I've been around a lot of athletes who've said a prayer, but did, were they really saved? It's a, it's a heart attitude. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for that. And like I said, for any of you guys listening to this, um, who may have friends, who may have family members, co-workers, bosses, coaches, who you may know, um, share this message with them. This is the most important message that they will ever hear in their entire life. Amen. I guarantee it. This message that is great news, that's life-changing news. And um, as followers of Jesus, we want everyone to, to to feel this joy and this hope and this love that we all have that we know we can get freely through Jesus. So um, thank you. Uh, thank you, Caleb, Jonathan. Thank you, Philly G, um, for being on this podcast and for just sharing this amazing news. And um, I know God's going to do something great and mighty through it. So um, any other final thoughts? Thanks for having us. It's been a blast uh, talking about no the greatest doubt. thing ever. No doubt, no doubt. And yeah, continue to stay tuned to the Part Effect Podcast. Um, we will be back. I'm so grateful. Um, thank you um, to the MSU um, radio station for allowing me to use this space. Um, shout out to um, Impact. Um, I love you guys, and we will see y'all later. Peace. Peace. <laughs> if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend family member or anybody that you think would benefit from listening to this if you feel led to support this podcast in any way please feel free to do so let me know what you guys want to hear or any subject that you guys want me to talk about in my next episode always remember to keep god first and i encourage you today to stay hungry and stay humble see you next time on the carter effect podcast